0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Amen. I Amen. Um, just want to... My name is George Nicholas Lawrence, I think it's... On the board. Um, for those of you that know, don't know me, I'm the young adults pastor. So anything, if you've finished studying and you're married and don't have kids yet, then I'm your pastor. Um, anything in between, yeah. Uh, me and my wife, we live here in the Boert in Stellenbosch. And uh, I just want to give a welcome to to the guys doing MTP, our ministry training program. You guys are welcome here. Um, where are they? Yeah, and they they split. <laughs> um, but you guys are so welcome here. All our first, the, the the guests that we have here, the people that are visiting us for the first time, you guys are so welcome here. Um, and uh, we also want to welcome the the guys streaming in. I think over the holidays we're going to get more people streaming in as the students go away and on holiday and stuff. Uh, so yeah, um, it's really an amazing privilege for me to stand here and to 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 present the word to you this morning we're gonna be walking through the the the, the, the book of ephesians. we're walking through the book of ephesians and we're in chapter four now so we're gonna see what paul has to say for us in chapter four but i really want to encourage us that i can stand here and i can i've been preparing for a while now and i can prepare really well and i can use every technique of public speaking and preaching that i know and have learned and have picked up from the people around me but what makes what bears fruit is when the holy spirit does something in our hearts i can present the word but it's the holy spirit that does it in our hearts so i i ask this morning that you open your heart not necessarily to only what I'm going to say, or what the word is going to say, but what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart. Is everybody cool with that? That we open our hearts this morning to, to what, the, what the Lord really wants to come and do. I just wanna pray for us. Father, thank you that we have your word. Thank you that we have the Holy Spirit. That We have you as Father and that Jesus Christ died for us that we may come together today as your body. Father, I commit my words unto you. I commit this congregation unto you sitting here before me today. And Father, we really want to walk out changed by your spirit. We want to look more like Christ when we walk out here today. Or at least start the journey to looking more like Christ today. So Father, we just commit this time to you. Father, we say have your way, work in us. Father, we love you, and we need you. We're so dependent on you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, amen. Amen. Okay, let me just get my slides right there. Okay. So I'm just quickly going to run through with us um, what we've been saying up to now, uh, what CS, C.S. has preached the last three weeks on Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, And I'm going to go a bit into detail, and the reason for that is, um, he starts chapter 4, Paul starts chapter 4, and he says, I therefore, and it's not just a small therefore, it's a a big one, because he's saying everything that I've been saying in the last three chapters, I'm going to, therefore, there's something that has to flow out of this. Um, So I'm going to recap in a bit of detail, so hold on, we're going to go for it, show me if I'm going too fast, Um, but... May the Lord be with us. Okay, (laughs) the first thing that Paul said um, in Ephesians 1, verse 9 to 10, it's there on the board. He said, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And he says, God has an eternal plan. He has a mystery which has been revealed through Christ. And this mystery is that All things are going to be united or gathered up in in Christ and he goes on in chapter 1 and he talks about the blessings and the inheritance that we have and basically saying that you fit into this plan you fit into this eternal mystery that has been now been revealed to us through Christ that's the first thing that he said the second thing Ephesians 2 verse 14 to 16 for he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And C.S. really elaborated on this so beautifully that through the, through the death of Christ and in Christ, he's broken down that which was separated. So he, he broke down the wall that was between us and God. He broke that down and he broke down the wall between each other, between Jew and Gentile. So the death and the resurrection of Christ is a central part Of reconciling man to god and man to man so he's removed this dividing wall that's the second thing that he said the third thing in ephesians 2 verse 20 he says built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets christ jesus himself being the cornerstone he says that all of this is happening through christ and that christ is the head of the church we're all being um united to christ and to one another but christ is the head of the church he is the one who makes all of this possible the fourth thing that he said ephesians 2 verse 21 to 22 did i go one yeah just one verse on he says in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the lord in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for god by the spirit and he just reiterates this, this, this dividing wall that's broken down between Jews and Gentiles. He says, there is no more Jew, there is no more Greek, there is no more Gentile. We're all one in the body of Christ. And not only are we one and we're individually shaped, see us used a, a, an analogy of, of a pearl being formed in an oyster. And that it's, it's, it's the oyster that gets irritated by a piece of sand and so forms and so we as the church Get formed because we get irritated with one another because we're human and imperfect, and you know we we rub each other up, iron sharpens iron, that type of thing. But I think what Paul is saying here, this this piece specifically, is more referring to the way that they built in the time of Christ and the time of Paul, where we have we have bricks that are the same size. You know, you order bricks and you all get them; they're square, same size. And they fit together well. Back in the day, it didn't work so like You, You had different shaped stones. And what he's referring to now is that each of us are being shaped, yes, into the image of Christ. But he's more than that, we're being shaped that each stone fits perfectly together. That each stone is being molded on its own so that it can fit in. That we can be built up into a temple for God. So yes, we're being formed into the image of Christ. But what he's saying here specifically is that it's not just for ourselves, but it's so that we can be built into a holy temple, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The fifth thing that he said last week in Ephesians 17, verse, 9, verse 17 to 19, um, is that beautiful prayer that he prays. And he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And he's basically saying it's Paul's prayer that we too, to the Ephesians, but to us as well, it applies to us, that we too may partake fully, not only in the life of Christ, but in the mission of Christ that we root ourselves and we ground ourselves in this love and that it flows out of us and that we partake in the life of Christ and the mission of Christ. Is everybody still good? Okay, so that's what he's been saying up to now. And that's why every, all of that, he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. So taking all of this into consideration, he's going to move move on. and And, and Ephesians 4 is like, the hinges of a door it allows the door to open and to close it's 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 the turning point where um C.S. used the the analogy I'm referring a lot to C.S. because he preached um the three sermons before but he, he used the analogy that watchman Nee used to to walk through the book of Ephesians is sitting with Christ walking with Christ and standing with standing in Christ and um It's basically here it's it's the transition from sitting we've been sitting and we've been hearing about the inheritance and the blessings being rooted and grounded in love uh, that there is no more hostility between us and god and between each other in christ and we've been sitting and he now transitions to to walking what does it mean and what does it look like to walk in christ so i'm going to read through the whole passage from verse 1 to 17 you guys can follow on the board and then we'll unpack it. Okay. So, verse 1 I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro there's three movements in this chapter the first one is and we're going to walk through this is to maintain unity the second one is to exercise diversity in the gifts that we have and the third one is to grow into maturity that we can build ourselves up in love and that and, and we're going to walk through those three things now okay let's start with verse one to four i therefore a prisoner for the lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, and this walking introduces as I said introduces the second half of the letter and uh, this is really significant when he says, I want you to walk I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling and it can go over our heads what that really means but an analogy that kind of explains it well is that when when you're in in grade 5 or any grade but i'm going to use grade 5 as an example when you're in grade 5 and you you pass the year and you go on to grade 6 you're called a grade 6 but in essence you're not really a grade 6 yet because to be a grade 6 you need certain skills and knowledge you have to have written certain tests and tasks handed in there's a certain maturity that you need to grow into to be a grade 6 is everybody following me and this is what paul is doing to us and in in essence it's it's a call to something higher it's a it's a call to more than what we what we were to walk in a manner worthy of the calling so Paul is going to explore what this manner of walking is as we progress through the letter, because he's not only calling us and, and this is where the, the transition comes, is he's not only calling us to a holy existence, which he discussed in depth from one to three, but he's calling us to a congregational to, to move as a congregation in a certain direction, and it's a missional direction. It's what we have received now needs to become part of our life so that we can live it out. And the life that we live then becomes missional. Let's go on. Man are are worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace. And now on the board, there's there's six things, seven things that I've highlighted. But there's three things that stand out for me. And I'm going to work it from the bottom up. is peace, unity, and love. And we have to note that this unity of the spirit in the bond of peace is a gift given to us. It's a divine gift, a supernatural gift. It's not something that we can create. As the body of Christ, we cannot create unity in the spirit. We can only maintain it because it's by the spirit that we have unity in this bond of peace. And this is what he's saying to us is that you need to maintain this unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. And you maintain it by practicing love. And then the humility and the gentleness and the patience is characteristics of love that we, that we live out. When he talks about humility, he takes the example from Philippians 2 where it says esteem others higher than yourself. And he goes to the extreme case where he talks about Christ humbling himself to the point of death, which is an attribute of love. When he talks about gentleness, he's speaking about meekness. And the the picture that we have of that is is like an ox. An ox is an extremely powerful animal, but it's under control of its master. That power isn't just used randomly, but it's used for the purpose and in obedience to its master. And the patience that he's talking about, he's talking about long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. There was something that went on. in my mind now but i have slipped my mind oh here we go okay so he says therefore i urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling and what is this manner worthy it's to walk in humility and in gentleness with patience walk in love so that you may maintain the unity of the spirit if we go on to verse 4 to 7 he says there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call one Lord one faith one baptism one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all I'm going to stop there and when he talks of the one body he's talking about the body of Christ which is the church us sitting here the body of Christ the church When he says one spirit he's talking about the power at work in the church one hope he's talking about the inheritance and the redemption promised to those in christ one lord which is jesus jesus is sovereign over the universe and over the church one faith which is the mystery of the gospel that has now been revealed through christ one baptism which is he doesn't mention it earlier on in the book but he talks about it as an incorporation into the church. Through baptism, you're incorporated into the church. One God and Father. So it's the God and Father of Jesus and of all believers. And he, and he, like this can seem very normal, just very like, okay, he's just telling us a bunch of stuff that we know. But he's reminding us of that all of all of this, all of this that we're walking towards, this manner of, of, of walking this, this manner that is worthy of the calling, um, the, the love that we have, it's all in Christ. There's only one body. There's only one church. There's only one Christ. There's only one Messiah and one God. And remember this, remember this. And then he goes on to say, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And verse 8 and 9, it says, Therefore, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave, gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all things. And that piece that is in brackets is, is basically re-emphasizing the sovereignty of Christ. That Christ is above all. Christ is the one who is above all rulers and authorities and dominions. And he's the one who is, who is sovereign over everything. But he is the one who gives gifts to men. And this is what we're going to discover now. Going on to the next piece. But, but he's the one who gives the gifts. Okay, is everybody still okay? Okay, we're going to get into it now. This is just leading up to, to, the, to the main part of it. verse 11 to 13 says and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of christ until we attain all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ and again, this is, um, it's so much, so much in one sentence. And, and this is where I'm going to stop for a little bit. And I'm going to try and make sense of this for us. I'm going I'm to try and make it understandable. But the first thing that we, that we just have to see here is that unity comes from diversity. The different gifts that he names. Unity is in this diversity of the gifts. We're all different. And I mean, we can, we can all agree to this. If you look at the person next to you. You can agree that you are very different to them we see differently we feel differently we think differently yet we have the same core values we're rooted and grounded in the same foundation and this is where the unity comes in that the way we express ourselves doesn't bring unity but the core values and what we're rooted and grounded in brings unity and this is why we have diversity in leadership. And and, and I felt the Lord um, speak to me in terms of just proclaiming this in a sense prophetically and saying that, that we as leadership are determined and committed to fulfilling the fivefold, all the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And this is where we're moving towards. Um, we're moving towards appointing elders and deacons and pastors that fulfill the fivefold and this is our commitment unto you so that every gift in this church can be celebrated that every gift in this church can be, can flourish um, because every one of you have a place in this church every gift that you have every personality has a place in this church and you are valuable to us so we're committed as leadership to to bring unity through the diversity of the gifts. It might take time, because we don't just want to appoint people because you know, we want to, but we want to appoint the right people and be led by God to appoint the right people in these positions. And at this point, I just want to ask that, with that being said, would you pray for us? Would you keep praying for us, the pastors and the leaders of this church, because we really need your prayers. I mean, we're humans just like you, trying to fulfill what God has called over our lives. But we need your prayers. We need your support. Um, and uh, let's go back to the scripture. Um, okay, so let's remember, I just in the beginning, I I used the analogy of the, the grade five, going to grade six, and then becoming a grade six by the end of the year. And that's what Paul is calling us to And this is where this this really comes in, this piece, where he talks about the giftings. Okay, to make sense of it, we're going to work from bottom up. So we're going to work from there, the statue of the fullness of Christ, we're going to work upwards to try and make sense of this because it's a lot of big words, loaded words, with a lot of meaning, and we're not just going to glance over it. So stay with me. Okay, so Paul's calling us higher. First thing from the bottom that he says is he wants us to attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's a big sentence, but what he says is, I want you to look like Christ. I want you to look like Christ in his fullness. Individual and church, I want you to look like Christ in his fullness. We can't, I, don't, I can't grasp how big that is. he wants us to get there he wants us to look like Christ because he says to be like Christ is to be mature he says to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ he says to be like Christ is to be mature and the only way that we can attain or get to this maturity is through the knowledge of the son of God and the unity of the faith and we're going to get a little bit geeky in terms of Greek words and things like that. It's just two of them. So don't, don't trip out. Don't tap out. Stay with me. Okay. But this is important because it's, we, can, we, can, we can so easily just let this go over our heads. The first thing. So he wants us to look like Christ because that's maturity. And the way we do this is through the knowledge knowledge of the Son of God and unity of the faith. When he talks about knowledge of the Son of God, he uses the word there, epinosios. Now this word is talking about an intimate, experiential knowing of the Son of God. It's not just reading and just, okay, I know who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. It's an experiential, intimate knowing of the Son of God. And how do we know God? As we know Him through the Word, when we read the Word, when it's preached to us, when it's taught to us, when we read it in our quiet times, through prayer, when we pray to God, what we've read about, that we transform into that. When we worship God and we become intimate with Him, and in our fellowship, this is how we grow experientially in the knowledge of the Son of God. The second thing is that, if we're going up, is to, be, to attain to the unity of the faith. And that word, hinotes, it talks about unity in the sense that it's a harmony from sharing the likeness of the nature of God. So when, when we're in harmony because we're becoming like christ we're in unity around that we share the likeness with god and we have an intimate knowing with him of him we're in an intimate experiential relationship with him we grow into maturity and we become like christ and later on in the letter we're going to understand we're going to discover why exactly that is But to do this, to to attain this unity of the faith, to be intimate with God, know him intimately, and all be on the same page surrounding those things, we need to be built up and we need to be equipped for the work of the ministry, which is done by the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers. That is why we're here today. This is why we have Bible school. This is why we have small group. This is why we have everything that we have in the church is so that we can equip the saints, which is you, which is me, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all share the likeness of God, we know him intimately so that we can grow into mature manhood and we can look like Christ. That's what he's saying here. And it's important that we know this because if we go to the next slide, verse 14, he says, I I want this, this is so important for you, so that we may no longer be children, and that word children is actually infants, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He says because when we're committed to maintaining this unity in the faith, When we're reading the word, we're praying, we're worshiping, we're spending time in fellowship and we're committed to it. There's a rootedness and a groundedness which he prayed for in Ephesians 3. He said, I want you to be rooted and grounded in this love, in this community, in the word and in prayer in fellowship and in worship. I want you to be rooted so that you may not be tossed to and fro, so that you may not lose hope, that you may not, when every wind of doctrine comes, be knocked off your path but that you may be rooted and grounded in this love, that you can comprehend what is the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of the love of God. If we get this, church, if we get that we're part of keeping each other accountable, working together for the work of the ministry that we won't be tossed to and fro, that we won't be chucked aside by things that come our way, we'll live a bit differently. And if we embrace this being equipped, Will be able to remain steadfast in the times of trials and storms and deceitful schemes and winds of doctrine he then goes on in verse 15 and 16 to say but rather rather than being tossed to and fro speak the truth in love speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ from whom the whole body joined and held together from by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love that's speaking the truth in in their culture and the, specifically the jewish culture which they lived in the speaking and doing weren't separated and i think it's something that we struggle with quite a bit in the west is it's very easy for us to speak about love and to speak maybe in love but we don't always act in love but for them it was the same thing To it we can actually take the speaking out and say true thing in love making it a a, a verb in the sense that speaking is to live speaking is to do speaking is to be for them it's the same thing to live in truth to live truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly and this is why we need you church when each part is working properly, when all of you are standing together, all of you are taking your position in the church, working in your gift and flowing in your gift um, that God has given you, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That when we're all working together, when we're all committed to this equipping, committed to this becoming like christ and we're 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 working in our different parts of the church we actually build the church the body we build the body up in love and i'm gonna i'm gonna make this a bit practical for us just on how it looks and in the last three weeks i've i've discovered uh two two people and it seemed at the beginning as if they were on completely opposite ends of the spectrum just of where they were in 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 their lives and what they did but i I found that they actually connected and they actually their paths crossed and um the first guy that you'll see there on the board the picture that guy langdon gilkey i don't know if any has anybody heard of him okay nobody okay so this guy studied philosophy at harvard harvard he uh during world war ii he graduated with a degree in in philosophy and thereafter went to go teach english in china and uh, while he was in china he was in a certain province during the war and the japanese invaded uh, the the area where he was living and at first he was under house arrest but later on they they created like an internment camp so it's it's not a it's not a concentration camp it's a lot more peaceful but they did restrict food and water and standard of living so where he was living there was a lot of um, Westerners teachers uh, pastors preachers missionaries a lot of Westerners that had moved there um, and it's basically like a, a block like a a, suburb, a block in a suburb and there was about 2,000 people that lived in one block and uh, he this guy langdon gilkey wrote a book um the shangtan compound which is the story and his, the name is shangtan compound the story of men and women under pressure and uh, he while he was there um, he wasn't a christian he was a liberal protestant but he, with his philosophy degree, he went and he, and he kind of wanted to study the people while they were in this internment camp. And he thought at first that because of the imprisonment, because they were captives um, to the Japanese, that the people would pull together and the people would share and they would uh, live in community in a sense. But he discovered exactly the opposite that it wasn't even the, the Japanese captors that treated them badly, but it was the community themselves that treated each other badly, that they reverted to stealing and cheating and lying from one, from one another to, uh, to make a living, to, keep, to stay alive and to have more for themselves. So it was a place where there was utter moral decay and, 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 and depression and uh, he this langdon gilkey he he then started discovering the sinfulness of man that we are all sinful and we all fall short of the glory of god and this is where his life started turning around in that he uh, he said so he just responded to one of the another theologian who who said he believes in god because of because man's history to this other theologian represented a steady moral progress and his response was i believe in god because to me history precisely does not represent such progress And and he got something he got something of the sinfulness of man that we as humans without god cannot progress morally we cannot be called higher to become sixth graders just out of our own we need god to call us higher we need god so that we can progress to something more than new man which he talks later on paul talks later on in ephesians the second guy that i want to introduce you to is eric little now i don't know if some people might know eric little from the movie chariots of fire okay he he was the guy that they that they made the movie about he was born in china to scottish missionary parents And he went back to to london to uh, to go to school and uh, afterwards he went to university in in, in edinburgh and uh, for those of you who don't know his story uh, in chariots of fire is basically that he was a devout christian and he was basically the fastest man in the world in uh, 1924 he was basically the fastest man in the world and he was sure to win a gold medal at the olympics And he was sure to win Scotland's first gold medal for them. But he saw that one of his heats fell on a Sunday. And he was devout to that being his Sabbath day. And he said, no, he's not going to race. He's going to give up his gold medal. He's going to give up the fame to stay obedient and committed and devout to God. He then found uh, a race, which is the 400 meters to to run in which was during the week and through beating all expectations he wasn't even supposed to get a medal he ran a world record and won the gold medal and um, in one sense you can stop there and you can say you know amazing he was obedient to God and we can take that out of it but his story went so much further than what chariots of fire the movie showed he went back to China after the um, after the olympics in 1925 and he served there as a missionary teacher so his parents were missionaries and he followed on in that um, legacy and he went back to scotland once or twice but he stayed in china for most of the time and with where, where the first guy langdon Gilkey, and eric littles paths crossed was in this shangtan compound this internment camp in japan and uh He started missionary doing missionary work and he started or he was one of the exceptions in a sense and I'm going to just read a piece to you from uh, some research that I did um, around the book Shantan compound he wrote the book and Gilkey and he says um, in Shantan compound Gilkey analyzed what happened when men and women are put under extraordinary pressure He argued that the worst moral dilemmas in the area came not from their Japanese captors, but from the prisoners themselves. His point was that for many, if not most, of the captured, the experience brought out the worst in them rather than the best. There were a few moral exceptions. He wrote of one exceptional individual, a missionary named Eric Little. He wrote, It is rare indeed when a person has the good fortune to meet a saint, but he came as close to one, close to it as anyone I have ever met. Gilkey described how Little had largely single-handedly resolved the crisis of a breakout of teenage sexual activity in the camp. In the midst of a moral breakdown, with no societal structures to constrain to restrain behavior, few even seemed to want to help. Gilkey made the observation that there was a quality seemingly unique to this missionary group that Little was part of, namely, that naturally and without pretense to respond to a need which everyone else recognized and just turned away. Much of this went unnoticed, but our camp would scarcely have survived as well as it did without it. If there were any evidence of the grace of God observable on the surface of our camp existence, they were to be found here, with the missionaries. Gilkey closed his words about Eric Little with these. Shortly before the camp ended, he was stricken with a brain tumor and died the same day. The entire camp, especially its youth, was stunned for days so great was the vacuum that Eric's death had left. And church, this is what it means to become a grade six, is that Christ in the book of Ephesians and Christ himself is calling us to something higher in this town that we live in to become like Eric Little that last scripture that I read when each part is working properly when you're building when you're equipped and you're in unity with your your fellow saints you're intimately experientially knowing God growing into maturity when each of those parts are working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love that as we build up in love that we're seen for our actions and we're seen for our love for the people around us that in very real sense our town our country the world is descending into moral decay Are we as the church building ourselves up in love that we stand out? That we look like Christ. That people see hope. And that without the church there is a vacuum in our town and in our country. This is what Paul is calling us to. This is what he is saying. Commit to being equipped. Commit to spending time in the word. To spending time in prayer and in worship and in fellowship together. Because this is so vital. This is so important for us to grow up to become like christ because without it we're just going to be meaningless without it we're not going to influence this world and he says this is the missional direction that the church needs to go in thank you for listening remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on shofar tv Go to www.chevronline.tv to download and share.